The Sports Career Podcast, episode 265, How to Normalise Menstrual Education in Sports Participation. Hello Sports Achiever and welcome to Season 7 of the Sports Career Podcast. I've got goosebumps saying this, seven years doing this show, couldn't be prouder and I hope you've enjoyed the podcast so far over the last six years but this is Season 7 and I, if this is the first time tuning in, I hope you enjoy this podcast show. If you haven't subscribed, please do. If you've been a loyal listener and you haven't subscribed, please do. And also, if you really do enjoy the show, please leave an honest rating and review. Because as always, my goal each week is to provide you a sports professional in a specific sector of the sports industry who can enhance your knowledge, but most importantly, improve your sports career development. So I really do hope this show can serve you with regards to your sports career aspirations. But before I talk about today's podcast special guest, I want to share with you a sports career resource that can support you if you're struggling to start a career in the sports industry. It's my sports career mini course. I share seven videos on how to discover and start your career journey with confidence. Go to education to sports forward slash MC for more information. Now, this week's podcast special guest is Josephine Kwan. Josephine is the founder of Flow to Freedom. Her mission is to change the perception of periods through mental education and her clothing range, which can give women and girls a real peace of mind with confidence when they participate in sport. For that reason, it's such a joy to have Josephine, particularly to kick off season seven as a special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Josephine will share her sports career journey and explain to you how we can normalize the menstrual education in the sports industry. Josephine, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Well, if you're saying sports career, I, I would actually like to think back uh, when I was a kid, sports gave me this sense of freedom. Um, being the only girl in a group of neighborhood kids that were all boys, um, I really had to you know, work extra hard or play harder than everyone else to keep up, which then I became a tomboy. And I just, uh, when we got to school, I, I naturally excelled at sports because um, of that competitive spirit when I was playing. So um, I actually have a degree in kinesiology from the University of British Columbia. And at the time I had these big goals and big dreams of becoming this big uh, strength and conditioning coach for a major, major uh, team, whether it be NFL football or, or NBA. Um, but at the time there was just no opportunities for women. So after quite a few years of being in that industry, I actually uh, started looking at a different career. Um, and what I am happy to say is we are now starting to see that big shift 
and all those opportunities now coming up for um, women in sports. So it's amazing. And we just need more because for the next generation and to have women step up into these bigger roles um, to become role models for the younger generation. Absolutely. You're spot on there with regards to equality, with regards to the sports industry of equal access to roles. Just going back to your career, though, what inspired you to study sports science, particularly like the human body with regards to sport? I'm really fascinated on that point, particularly the students listening in who are currently students as well. Well, funny story. Uh, It didn't start off that way coming from an Asian um, family, I actually pursued accounting and economics uh, initially, because that's what my dad wanted me to do. And I actually, it wasn't until my final year, I said, okay, well, is this really what I wanted to do? And given that I, I just had this passion for sports, I thought, hey, you know, what if I can make it a career and shift? And that's how I ended up getting into kinesiology. Okay, so can we sort of move forward now, like paint the picture to listeners of your entrepreneurial journey as well, because this is really relates to today's podcast topic, but like just paint the picture for the listeners with regards to where you currently are now. Okay, so after, as I mentioned earlier, um, years in the space of being a strength and conditioning coach, I actually packed my bags and moved to Hawaii and lived there for five years. And when I returned, there wasn't, um, again, industry for what I was doing. So I actually got into commercial real estate and was in that business or industry for 13 years. Uh, I got to a point where I had a bit of a aha moment and I started thinking about legacy and how I was contributing to the world. Um, Great helping people make lots of money, but I felt like something was missing and Again, the poll came back to what I was passionate about, which was sports. And um, how I started Flow to Freedom was particular from an incident or a traumatic incident that I had experienced when I was younger. So when I was 15 years old, um, I was in high school and I was playing in a provincial tournament Uh, playing volleyball tournament and at the time I suffered a period leak on the court and I had run I I ran to my male coach at the time and said "I, I really need to go to the bathroom and instead of supporting me and saying yes he actually shamed me in front of everyone and told me to get back on the court until I was done and from that moment on I completely lost all focus I was so anxious and worried that you know was it gonna was it gonna come down my leg was it gonna was anyone gonna see it would it be on my backside like what was I going to do and I was so scared and ashamed Uh, I never played volleyball from that point on and that's when I realized something that I always thought was a curse having suffering from heavy periods um I started doing a little bit more research only to realize that it's actually one in three, um, 33% of women and girls uh, or menstruators um, suffer from heavy periods. So my thought was, you know, how is it, how are other people managing this? And that's when I came across period underwear and 
um, started buying up every brand, every style, loved them. Uh, but unfortunately, when I would go to the gym, I still a little bit vain, you know, I was here if I'm wearing my cute little pair of Lululemons or um, Nikes, I, I didn't, I, I felt like there were still these big bulky underwear lines. So now I'm concealing one thing for another. And so again, I started looking, well, what other solutions are out there? And when I couldn't find what I was looking for, it was purely... <laughs> out of selfishness where I said, okay, well, what if I could create a pair of pants that gave me the protection, like the underwear, um, concealed the fact that I had extra protection, how amazing would that be? And so that was kind of my journey into um, looking at creating this pair of pants. And I actually went through nine rounds of prototyping and testing until I was really happy with what I created. And then by that time, it was just the thought, imagine if I can help one, like one little girl not uh, feel or experience what I had felt uh, when I was 15. And that's how Floater Freedom kind of became what it is today. Well, firstly, Josephine, thank you so much for sharing that story. And if you don't mind, I want to dig deep on this because, you know, if we, I'm a guy, I'm a boy, if I was at that age and I fell over and grazed my knee and a bit of bleeding, I could just get up and forget about it. But it's stories like this that actually stop girls carrying on playing sport because could we just talk about the mental side? You said you never played volleyball again. I'm just trying to highlight the point that it isn't just the physical experience is actually the the mental side which I would love to hear your thoughts of why this education is just as important not just for the physical aspects of the, having a period but actually the the mental scars so that's why I admire what you're doing is you're actually not you're trying to eradicate those mental scars this is all does this all make sense of what I'm saying and I'd love to hear your thoughts of your, your thoughts on that absolutely so given that this is just a general range but generally girls will get their periods anywhere between the ages of 10 to 15. And when you do first start your period, for the first six years or so, your period is not regular yet. It's not, you can't really predict when it's going to show up. Sometimes it just shows up when it wants to show up. So you can only imagine the anxiety that comes along with, you know, not knowing and that shame and embarrassment if you don't know and you suffer a leak. And we all know in high school how difficult it can be already. Um, when you're transitioning and having all these um, changes with puberty and your body and not knowing what's already happening, add this to the mix. Um, it, it just, it's really hard for individuals to, um, have that confidence and know because that part of it is so uncertain. And it's funny you would mention that because about three days ago, BBC just came out with um, an article and there was a research done, I believe it was around 25 or 26,000 girls that they interviewed. Um, this was through the Youth Sport Trust and it came out that um, periods are one of the biggest concerns for girls right now in PE, like participating in PE for school. So, I mean, 
again, it goes back to, first of all, adapting to all these changes that you're not really even aware of, like, and you have no control about, but um, not, not having that certainty of when it would show up, which kind of leads to the importance of starting to track your periods at an early age. Um, I, I think that's one of the things that I highly encourage um, all menstruators to do is start tracking and start paying attention um, to specific triggers, um, what type of premenstrual symptoms that you um, experience, and because a lot of those symptoms are manageable. And I think a lot of people don't realize it, but it is manageable. And getting back to the menstrual education side of it, I've spoken to hundreds of girls and a lot of them have, the question is how much menstrual education are you getting in school? The common answer that I've heard is we get one hour of sex ed around the age of 15 or 16 in that one hour, it's a combined class with the boys and they're taught everything about birth control pills, STDs, um, how to use a condom and, and nothing really about periods. And by that time, as I mentioned earlier, you generally start your period ranging from kind of 10 to 15 years old. So by the time you're getting this sex ed class, majority of these menstruators have already started their periods. So I, I think there's a really big need for all of us to kind of assess where menstrual education lies currently. And again, the, the conversation of whose responsibility is it to have these conversations? And I believe it's all of our responsibilities. If we have the knowledge, I believe it's my duty to share that knowledge. And I know I have um, gotten some uh, pushback in the past where a mom who was also a coach specifically said, well, I don't think that's your responsibility. It's mine as a mother. Well, what about the single dads? What about the, the moms? For example, again, coming back to my uh, Asian culture, my mom never had that conversation with me. So she just didn't feel comfortable and it wasn't something that we talked about at home. So then who educates me? And I think that's where I'm at, at this stage is really trying to advocate for the importance of menstrual education. And that's why on this podcast show, because it's all about education to sport. So, and but by the way, when we had our first WhatsApp call, you actually said to me a statistic that some girls have like periods under the age of seven as well, like you, which is just as important. But if you don't mind, like, because you actually talk about today's podcast topic, which is how to normalize the education of menstrual education in sport participation. You've done that already, but I want to dig a deep deeper with regards to coaches, because relating to your experience, it scarred you. That's the words you use. So may I ask like how we can normalize it for coaches? And again, you shared a little example in our WhatsApp call of another coach from another team wanted to step in, but felt like it wasn't the right 
their their responsibility but could you just share that example if possible because I think this is such an important role not just for parents but for coaches who take the responsibility of you know their team members the great thing is now that they're the conversation has started um, I've witnessed more even with male allies and male coaches they want to know how do I actually broach the topic? What's the best way? Because it is or it can be a sensitive topic. The way I try to reframe that is by saying, well, you know, if we treated the menstrual cycle as if it was any other training variable like sleep, nutrition, or any sort of performance training, then that's perhaps a way to, to introduce the conversation. Um, and again, the whole education piece, people get uncomfortable talking or broaching a topic that they're not familiar with. And I think a lot of it comes from fear of potentially saying the wrong thing. Um, and again, for some, this is a sensitive topic. So the fear of any sort of backlash um, is, is what I see that is very common. And I, I bring up male allies where in this specific situation, it was actually a male coach that witnessed a situation that happened uh, between a mother, an athlete, and a female coach. The, the mother and the athlete came to the female coach and kind of brought up the topic, oh, so-and-so is actually uh, having her period, you know, this week, and she's experiencing some premenstrual symptoms. And the reaction that this male coach witnessed was the female coach kind of brushing it off and basically saying, well, get on with it. Um, and you see this sometimes often only because for somebody who's already lived most of their life experience and, and, and working through their period, they, I think the natural reaction is, well, I've had to live with it and I've been able to manage it. So just learn how to cope rather than coming from a place of empathy and saying, hey, you know what? I was once younger. I was once that athlete who didn't really know how to cope. Um, so let's be supportive and figure out, okay, how can we best manage the situation so that there is participation and, and there's no need to miss out on the training because training or, or uh tournaments or games, because that is like speaking to one of the local universities here, I've been told multiple times from the head strength and conditioning coach that that's one of the biggest reasons why individuals skip practice, skip training or skip games is because they have their periods and they don't feel comfortable talking to their coaches about it. So I do think that's a shame um, so, which is why it's so important to be able to have that conversation and normalize that conversation. 
not just for the coaches, but for the athletes themselves. Absolutely. And I want to dig deep on this. You said a really good point of treating it like another performance element like sleep. I'm just thinking out loud here, but you know, like in, well, in the UK, rugby or NFL, particularly rugby or football, they have like a concussion, you know, protocols now, if there's a potential head injury, the player has to come off and there's like a set procedure. Out of interest, do you think that's the approach we should have on this? So it's more like a policy that put in place. So then it's normalized because concussion wasn't normalized till the research happened and people admitted to it that it is an important factor to take in place during contact sport is that the angle you're explaining here? I've given an example as well but I'd just love to hear your thoughts on that well I think you hit it in the head there when you said um, they only made these decisions when there was research done so if you know majority of the sports research out there when we're talking about say textbooks and and when I was studying kinesiology all of the research or majority of the research is based on men. So how can you actually apply when physiologically we're so different? Um, and I think that's slowly starting to change. When we're talking about adapting the menstrual cycle to training, the best example was uh, when Good Morning America interviewed uh, Don Scott when she was the high performance coach for the U.S. National women's soccer team when they won the 2019 World Cup. Good Morning America asked, well, why did the U.S. team outperform everybody else at such a high level? Well, it then came to light that they had started tracking menstrual cycles. They started tracking and adapting uh, not just individual players, but as a team as a whole, where each player on the roster was during their cycle and they started adapting their sleep, their nutrition and their training based on where um, the players were in their cycle and leveraging the data and um, certain times of the month during the cycle where the, the athletes could excel and perform at higher level. So there's a big misconception where if you're on your period, you should not play any sport or you shouldn't it, playing sports and being physically active actually helps with a lot of the symptoms that you um, experience, whether it's menstrual cramps or even with your mood, um, being able to adapt your nutrition and prep for that, that week of premenstrual um, time definitely a lot of your, your symptoms can be managed. And now we're seeing that as well with um, the Chelsea football club. Like there's, there's teams, like they're starting to realize treating the menstrual cycle as a way to level up and, and using it to your advantage opposed to it being detrimental to your training. So super excited about that. And there's researchers out there, there's apps that you can actually use to start tracking. And it's amazing. I think in the next few years, you'll really start to see athletes, teams, people in general, the general public really start to understand a little bit more about the, the benefits of tracking your menstrual cycle and really how to really adapt your, your 
lifestyle according to where you are in your cycle. This is fascinating. I hope the listeners are enjoying this from an educational standpoint as much as I am. Would you mind just sharing to listeners your workshops on this? Because I think a lot of people, particularly sports academies, should hear in regards to that in what you provide, not just the clothing range as well. I think first and foremost is really getting um, the foundation and general, just general knowledge about the menstrual cycle. And I think looking at it holistically, where yes, you're learning about the fundamentals of um, the menstrual cycle, but also how does that affect you on the mental side in terms of managing anxiety, stress, um, different levels of hormones, and then also the physical side, what are the benefits? Um, So that again, I've told you this before, where my passion is really about encouraging women and girls to stay or continue to participate in sport, letting them know that having your period doesn't have to dictate what you can and cannot do. And then the last part of that is, what are the solutions? There's a lot of solutions out there. Some may work better for uh, others, but just knowing that there are a range of solutions is a huge part. So a part of where what I'm working with d- different groups right now is just that is, is showing, you know, what the fundamentals are, um, how does the mental side of it play in the physical aspect of it and, and providing what the solutions are. And it can be just very basic so that, coaches and players have the knowledge just to be able to start that conversation. And at the end of the day, that's what's important is to to feel comfortable enough where you have just enough knowledge where you still feel comfortable, where you can broach the the topic and not feel awkward or or, um, uncomfortable around it. Totally agree. And we haven't finished yet, but I assume there's details on your website to your workshops. Yes. So you can always visit flowtofreedom.com. I'm also on Instagram. Handle is flowtofreedom. Flow, F-L-O-W, the number two freedom. Also on Facebook as well. And and connect with me on LinkedIn as well. We're not finished yet because I do have some entrepreneurial questions of of curiosity. You said to us already, you did nine prototypes to get your pants, which in the UK, we say trousers, by the way, but we'll go with the word pants. Um, <laughs> okay. um, what was your experience from building this product that was a real passion for you to put to the real world to help other females with this? Like, but I'd love to just hear your entrepreneurial journey on those nine prototypes. Like, how was that experience of building this product? At the point where I decided this was what I was going to do, I knew if I was going to build this product, I was going to do it to the best of my ability in terms of quality and doing it right. So when I mentioned nine rounds of prototyping, that involved finding the right materials. Um, our, our, our collection is actually made from sustainable materials. Um, the layer that's against your skin is made from organic cotton because a lot of women and girls or menstruators have sensitivities to plastic pads. So that was a consideration. Um, When I say doing it right, 
how it fit, how it feels. We all know during that time, some of us already like don't feel really good. I wanted something to celebrate the body. So you would feel good wearing this um, product. Obviously functionality, it had to work. So each pair holds at least two tampons worth of blood. And then also um, manufacturing them locally here in Canada to support the local economy. So those were some of the things that I thought about and that was really important to me when I was um, creating this product. So, And I know during this conversation, we've talked about like the elitism, right? You know, like academies and top elite athletes but I assume this product's for people who just want to go to the gym and you know as well just to be clear on this conversation it's not just an elite training product it can be for anybody who who just wants to participate in any physical activity sport of course my dream Ed is if every girl was to wear these shorts for PE nobody would actually know whether or not you had your period nobody would care and you would have that peace of mind and know that you were protected. That would be my ultimate dream. Um, and I think the best part so far is when you have a, a teenager or you have a mom write to you and say, you know, my daughter wears these shorts every day and um, she feels so protected and she's she's told me that it's just changed her life and changed her perspective on like being able to play sports that's what it's all about if I can just from even if I can help one girl that for me this is what it's all about right so creating the line creating um courses or developing workshops or whatnot, really my, my, my hopes and my mission is really for people to step into their own and own their potential and not allow, say, periods or whatever it is to stop them from doing anything they want to do. And if I can be some sort of example for that, because if I can do it, anyone can do it. And that's just kind of my goal. I can definitely tell. I can see your big, big smile. And, and honestly, and I have, I'm going to put you on the spot now. How proud are you on your confidence and your journey building this product? How proud? I, I, I'm proud. I'm proud because I know it works. Um, I'm proud because I've had really good feedback for everyone that has tried the product. Um and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to, I feel like this was my calling. As I mentioned, I used to think of, that it was a, a curse to suffer from heavy periods. At one point, I, I had my aha moment and I'm like, no, this is not a curse. This was my calling for me to help everyone out there that is going through the same thing, um, find a solution or to let them know that, again, they're their periods do not dictate what they can and cannot do. And for me, I'm going to just continue doing it no matter what. And hopefully the more people I can help, the better. 
Just on that point of you discovering your calling, I had my aha moment creating this podcast, but could you just share to the listeners some guidance on that? Like if there's any students figuring out, well, what am I going to do next? Um, what guidance tips would you give with regards to that point? I think it's taken a while, but there's kind of three core values that I live by. One being honoring your truth. So being willing and having the courage to just speak up, whether um, it's something to do with justice or, or creating awareness or defending something that you truly believe in. Another is having the passion for innovation. And what I mean by that is always being curious and being open and questioning things like why, why are things done a certain way? So for example, with, with um, the period underwear, I loved them and I thought they worked so well. And then for me, it was like, well, why aren't there any pants? Um, and, and always questioning and be curious. Um, and then lastly is really about being grounded in gratitude. Um, that's my anchor is to always be grateful and being grateful for example, moments like this, where you're able to connect, like you and I connected randomly, but um, to have this moment together to share and just being grateful for that and learning how to build and nurture relationships because you just don't know, like innately people want to help. Um, and you putting me here on your podcast, just because, you know, you want to, I'm grateful that for that, because you've now created a platform for me to share in the education or knowledge that I have. So really, really grateful for, for you and, and your time. My pleasure. I'm going to actually share the story how I connected with you because um, it's so important. This is how I like to educate my listeners. Like, as I say on this podcast, it's all about the connections. And you've mentioned that already, but also the network. We got connected on an online CONCACAF event and I was browsing through the names and then Josephine names came up. I was like, mm, this is intrigued. Flow to Freedom. What's that? I clicked on the buy and then went straight to the website. And what do you talk about? Which I went straight away. Your about page and the first thing, that first value speak your truth or um i hope i've said that right but literally i was like really curious and like another word you used already so literally i reached out to Josephine during that event going look sent quite a long message i've read your about page really curious of what you're doing we got on a whatsapp call where where josephine just educated me and i'm like we've got to get you on the show and we're here now but that's what it's all about everybody listening it's the conversation it really really is and um Really quickly, Josephine, just for the listeners from your experience in the sports industry, how has networking had an influence to, you know, your building a product, building your brand, just for the listeners to understand why this is so important, this element of this word networking? I think networking is a way where we talk about brand, we talk about reputation, you know, your network is, is what helps you build that brand and reputation. You may want, you may think of yourself a certain way, but it's, it's, I think Jeff Bezos was the one that said it, the founder of Amazon. It's, it's not what people say in front of you or, or whatnot. It's what people say when you're not in the room. And I think that's so important is not saying you're judged, like 
I judge myself and how I carry myself. Um, and it's really important that, as I mentioned, whatever it is I do, I do it with passion and I'm doing it with empathy. Um, always thinking about what is it like for the other person on the other side. And that's just normally, whether it be life or career, that's just how I live uh, my life. And I think where that connection piece and network piece um, comes into play is just that is if I can help somebody, how would that feel? Because I know how important it is, for example, you giving me this opportunity. And if I can give somebody else the same opportunity, then I think that's what it's all about, right? It goes back literally in a circle. It does indeed. And I hope the listeners are taking notes of what you've just said there. Out of interest, what have you enjoyed the most from your career journey looking back right now? The uncertainty of it all. I always, I always think the better uh, we're able to deal with discomfort and uncertainty, that's when we can grow and that's when amazing things happen. Wow. And this leads to my final question. I always have an inspirational question. You've already provided us great education with regards to the menstrual cycle and also good examples as well and about the power of networking right at the end. But out of interest, what three tips would you give to listeners who want to pursue a career in the sports industry? What three tips would they be? First and foremost, just here's a plug for Nike. Just do it. I think a lot of times we paralyze ourselves by overthinking. Um, So just do it lead with empathy. So again, it's that golden rule of treat others how you would like to be treated. Um, And again, live in your truth. Like, don't be afraid, have the courage, because chances are you're not the only one that's thinking the same thing. Perhaps somebody else needs the courage for you to kind of step up first. Um, So yeah, I would say those would be my three suggestions. There are three brilliant tips. And hey, as I said to you before the call, I'm being honest, hands up here. You got me out of my comfort zone with this podcast with regards to this topic, which I'm super proud of myself doing it because you've educated me and hopefully the listeners too. I know you've already mentioned already how people can connect with you, but out of interest, like how can people connect with you online? Uh, you can connect with me one-on-one through LinkedIn um, at Josephine Kwan or look up Flow to Freedom. Again, Facebook, and Instagram at Float of Freedom and also the website, floatofreedom.com. That is great. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my blog with regards to this podcast. Josephine, it's been such a joy chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Wow, what a great way to kickstart season seven. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast chat as much as I did from Josephine. For me, the biggest learning lesson I've taken from Josephine is knowing your aha moment and taking action in solving a problem. Like if I had to sum up which I admire the most from Josephine is how she discovered her aha moment after real estate to solving this problem with regards to periods to help girls play sports with freedom, with no embarrassment. She created a product with her pants to really solve that. So girls can play and women can just participate in sport. For me, that is what the sports industry is about. If you really wanna pursue a career in this industry, That aha moment is like the spark 
then you've got to have the motivation, then you've got to have the drive, and then most importantly, you've got to have the patience to achieve in what you want to do. Like if I have to sum up from my experience, but relating to Josephine with those nine prototypes, that's like nine phases of getting a product to her best ability, which she would probably call perfection, that is what it's all about, and really solving that problem. Like to hear that point at the end, her dream is just to help one girl wearing shorts and feel comfortable feel safe that is her mission it's not just about selling loads of pants and I think that's what I really enjoyed about this conversation is the authenticity but I hope you've learned the career development points which you can apply to your sports career development so look I really do hope you've enjoyed this podcast chat please subscribe to the show if you haven't also leave an honest review and rating. It makes a huge difference to the show and I, I would be super grateful if you did. But in the meantime, take action from this podcast relating to your sports career development now and just do it. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Josephine said, just do it. Don't overthink it when starting a career in sports. Most importantly, lead with empathy and live your truth in what you want to do or achieve.